Hi, I'm Dan Draper and welcome to my podcast where we talk all things mental health, well-being and general positivity. Season 1 opened up some incredible conversations that I had to come back for Season 2. In this series, I'm going to be diving deeper into the conversations around mental health as well as promoting well-being. And I want to say a massive thank you to my brand new sponsor, Better, who are a unique charity raising awareness for mental health and suicide prevention. So be sure to check them out. You can find me on social media platforms at Dan Draper with two underscores or alternatively my brand new website, DanDraperOfficial.com. I'm really excited about this series. So let's crack on and keep releasing the stigma. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Dan Draper Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Honestly, I am so excited about season two. You have no idea. And what better way to kick it off than someone who's been an amazing advocate for the podcast since I first started it and someone who's now actually become a good friend. So Dr. Joe Cleesby, aka Psychology Joe, would you like to introduce yourself, sir? Hey man, yeah. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm a um, clinical psychologist working in the health service and I'm really excited to have a chat with you today all things mental health thanks so much for having me on the podcast buddy no no problem at all mate thank you so so much how are things how's the things going yeah man I think if I said they were going perfect I'd be lying (laughs) we're in lockdown three when we're recording this so Mm. we're we're used to this but it doesn't get any easier um it's really really tough trying to motivate myself every day trying to keep a good routine, trying to do all the things I know, keep me healthy, but it's still not easy. So it's, it's, it's tough, but I'm doing my best and um, I'm finding talking, chatting to people, things like this, um, having that next thing in the diary really helpful to kind of get me through. But what yeah. about you? How are you finding it, man? Yeah, no, I mean, you know, like, like yourself, like so many other people, very so-so. I've got, uh, you know, I'm trying to find my feet in certain different areas of work that I never sort of branched out to beforehand and yeah it's uh it's going well for the most part at the minute but um yeah fingers crossed we'll uh we'll get there and we'll be at some sort of normality again soon <laughs> let's bring some positivity to some people's day hopefully exactly man exactly um how how, how was things like Christmas and stuff obviously it must have been a bit different to what you know was was there previously but uh but yeah how, how was Christmas and New Year for you well, Christmas was like the weirdest, weirdest Christmas. Um, I think for everybody, this kind of expectation that we were going to have this beautiful holiday from COVID mm. where we see everybody that we needed to see and be with everyone. And it was just a classic case of like expectation versus reality, wasn't it? Of just having to adjust everything to that one day. And I think um, it was tough because I'm a real family person and I get a lot of my well-being from being around people. Mm. Um, I think I'm a bit of an extrovert and at times that makes COVID really difficult. So whilst it was great to have the time off, um, I'm also a bit of an active relaxer. I like to be doing things in my annual leave and time off. So it was tough to just be sitting around feeling as if I wasn't doing anything, but you got to understand it's just part and parcel of, of where we're at and be compassionate with yourself, I guess, and just be patient with the process of where, what we're all going through. Yeah, exactly. I found that so much that, uh, you know, this lockdown in particular, because for me, I was rushing at a thousand miles an hour. I wanted to get everything sorted as soon as I could. And then I was just like, just take a breath. You know, you're running yourself out into the ground now. You know, there's a lot of prep, not only for the the side projects that I'm doing, but for the podcast and things like that. So for me, I was just like, yeah, I need to, I need to relax a little bit. But um, yeah, mate, honestly, thank you so, so much for coming on again. I really, really do appreciate it. So 
let's take it right back to the beginning then, mate. Tell us where it all kind of began for you and, you know, where, where it is that maybe your mental health struggles may have started. Yeah, it's a good question. And um, I love to be open about my own experiences as well. I think one thing that mental health professionals and psychologists and they can be a bit closed off and we're people too. So yeah, I'm really happy to explore this question. Um, For me, I think my own experience and understanding of mental health came particularly through my brother. My youngest brother has got um, autism and was diagnosed with autism. I think when I was like 10 years old or nine years old. And at that age, you're kind of like, I have no idea what this is. And I think in the last like 15, 20 years, Um, understanding of autism and neurodiversity has come a long way Um, but at that age I was just like oh that's a cool thing sounds interesting how's what's this going to be like for my brother my younger brother but trying to see the world from his perspective and trying to accompany and help somebody in lots of different social situations that you take for granted that they're struggling with I think started to give me this perception that actually you know it's not just me in this world there's lots of other people and they're also going through lots of different struggles and I think it started to develop empathy for me Um, in other people I really wanted to learn and understand what they were going through but conversely on the other side of that I was always really anxious like I was a very anxious teen worried about what people would think about me with a brother that's different a family that's different what do people think about me Um, what am I going to do in my life I had so many young questions when I was young that I was anxious about and it took me a real long time to start to calm down I was such a jittery anxious nervous person so I think I've always understood what it's like to have anxiety really I wouldn't say I've got anxiety all the time but I understand what it's like to experience it and kind of go through the nerves of every day it's it's almost like you're battling against the challenges of the world and then you're battling against yourself at times with anxiety and and struggles like that but yeah that's that's one of the things that really kind of got me interested in mental health and understanding mental health Yeah. And I think that's such a key thing because, you know, understanding it. And I mean, I'm still learning so, so much about mental health. You know, I've, I've done a lot of research on it now, which, you know, is, is upskilling myself with that, which is, is great, but there's so much to learn with it. And I think from your example there, you know, like you were saying there about your brother um, and your family and things like that, which we'll, you know, we'll, we'll touch on in a moment. But I think that the fact that you took your own initiative and was like, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to learn about this. I'm not just going to be someone who's, you know, just going to deal with it or just put it to one side and and have, like I said, in, in season one, that sort of British stiff upper lip where it's very much, oh, yeah, well, it'll be fine. We'll just see what happens with it, you know? And I think that that's, that's really admirable, mate. So, yeah, it's, it, congrats to you. But like you were saying there about your, your family and, and, and your brother in particular, you know, when you first found out about autism and you wanted to learn about it, what would you say would have been sort of the key trigger for you saying, do you know what, actually, this is something maybe I can, I can uh, do to support or to, to understand a bit more? What was that kind of eureka moment, if you like? Yeah, I I think there was a few different ones, to be honest. I think at first, I think for a lot of people, this is the thing with autism, is that you think it's just one thing. You know, like autistic people are these group of people and they all do this or they all like this. They're all, they all have a particular skill or they all have uh, um, something they're really interested in. And I was like, 
how is that different to other people? Like, what, what, is, what is it that's different about this situation, this kind of challenge that they have? And it took me time to understand that, you know, each person with autism is just so unique and that they're not experiencing the social world in the same way that everybody else does. And I think developing that empathy, you know, that ability to put yourself in somebody else's shoes was really important for me in understanding his journey. When I was with my family and with my friends and really enjoying myself, I was thinking, what, what would he be thinking? How is he feeling in this situation? Is it? And I think that ability to be able to put yourself, like I said, in that other person's perspective from a young age really kind of made me mature and grow up quicker. I wasn't just enjoying my own life. I was thinking, how can I help him? How can I help him as well? Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing, man. And the fact that, you know, at the age that you were at the time, obviously you're a younger man than what you are now, like to, to have that level of just understanding and being able to, to show not only the emotional intelligence, but also, you know, the empathy that comes with it as well is amazing. So what would you have said, you know, when you were going through that period and through that sort of transition of, of where you were with everything, um, what would you have said have been one of your sort of toughest times? That's a good question, man. I think one of the toughest times I experienced through that is learning to accept him for who he is and that other people could really appreciate him for who he is as well. Not that he had to be like somebody else. He could be like himself and still be loved and appreciated. And that really taught me that, you know, in this world, there's such diversity. There's so many different people and they all have something to bring to the table. It won't necessarily look like one thing. And I think when you're a teenager and you're growing up and you're trying to find out what you want to be in the world, you want to be successful, you want to pursue this, you want to be good at sports, you want to be good at everything. And somebody doesn't necessarily fit that mold in the same way you wanted them to, you know, your younger brother. I think I just had to learn to accept and love him for who he was. And, and I think that really taught me how to relate to people. You know, not, every, not everybody wants the same things in life and has to do it in the same way. And they can still be success, successful and um, achieve things in a meaningful way in their own way. And I think that, that took me a lot of time to, to accept that for him, but also for myself. I think as a teenager going through school, and wanting to achieve and when I didn't always hit the, the high levels. Yeah, so I came from a really academic background and my family being really academic. And I think learning how to accept my brother, learning how to accept myself, that I wouldn't always reach the same heights in the same way, but that I had my own path and that could still be successful. I think I found that really hard in my teens. And like socially as well, I had a bit of a nightmare in my teens. I was so anxious. Like I would never go up to people and initiate conversations. So I think there's been so many different periods in my life where anxiety and worries have kind of got me down, but I've always managed to find a way through it. And I think that's one of the things with mental health difficulties. They're always, hopefully for most people anyway, there's another side to it and that we can get through it. And um, I think if you keep pursuing and keep pushing hard enough, and like you said, Dan, as well, with that understanding, you know, when you start to understand more about yourself, you can get through these things. So what, what would you say for you then, mate, was the bit that, you know, how you, how you turned it all around, how you then went, actually, you know, this is, this is what's happening at the moment. Um, and how can I turn my experiences into something that can then be positive for other people? A few moments. I don't think it was one moment per se, but I found that for myself, I was always a person that got stuck in my head a little bit. You know, these thoughts that come up of, you can't do this or somebody might think this about you. I always found that when I got into my head, quite cognitive, loads of these thoughts, pushing myself behaviorally, so pushing myself out of my comfort zone and doing something kind of would disprove that thought. So um, I know it sounds kind of scientific and strange, but pushing yourself and changing your behavior 
helps to readdress the balance of your thoughts. And I've always found that really helpful when I would have a negative thought, I'd try and do a, something positive that would build my self-esteem. And then that would change that thought about myself. So I used to be really anxious. I said, low, and I put myself in situations where the anxiety would either thrive or die. I'd have to push it to the extreme. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd help out in youth groups. I'd go into social groups and push myself. I'd ask my parents to push me and they'd drag me along to things and do stuff. And I found that I was always kind of battling against it, but that was the best way to fight it was by just kind of not letting that passivity and lethargy breed, just pushing it back by being behaviorally active. And I think that's something that's really important at the moment as well. You know, when we've got these negative thoughts, we're stuck, we're locked in, we're feeling trapped. You've got to do something to try and break that cycle physically, emotionally, get out, do something, speak to somebody, go on a run, anything. Um, it, bre- it breaks the cycle and changes it up. Yeah, absolutely. And would you say then that that was one of the things that made you want to become a psychologist and, and go down that route? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, I studied psychology at A-level and I think like a lot of other people found it just so many like dates and names and really kind of academic. I didn't find like I was learning anything about people, which is why I went into it. But as I studied it more and more, it felt more natural. And I felt like I had this natural affinity to, to getting along with people, to making conversation, to understanding people, their backgrounds and their stories. And that's one thing that that's why I love podcasts and stories and stuff like this, because you get to know people's stories. Mm. You know, the, the power of, of a narrative is so special. So I think that's one of the huge things that, that drew me to psychology. Yeah. And obviously you went through uni and, and things like that. And we spoke off air beforehand. And you were saying that when you were going through university that you found it, you know, you were struggling to cope with your anxiety because all of the anxieties came back and and a bit more. So do you think that that's something maybe now when you look back at it and, and you know, how you were feeling at the time. Now, obviously, you've come over a lot of the anxieties and we still have our general day-to-day ones. But can you tell us a bit about how you felt in your anxiety at that time compared to what it, how you feel about how you deal with anxiety now? Yeah, I think one of the, the huge things that popped up for me when I was training and, and studying at university was like, there was all of these people that were really interested in doing clinical psychology, but there was only these amount of places, like there was a handful of places. And I always felt like I was being scrutinized and watched by the academics at the university and everything that was happening. So I used to get so anxious before I'd speak in lectures and in class, I'd feel my heart literally going up my throat and it felt like it was vibrating in my thorax here. And I was like, and I couldn't speak. I'd literally start speaking and choke up in the middle of the session. And I was like, what is going on? Like, I've always been a bit anxious, but I'm really struggling to even get my words out. Like, I'm really doubting myself. Why am I doubting myself so much? Where's all this doubt coming from? So one thing I realized, actually, I know it sounds really funny, but I was drinking far too much coffee before these. Right. <laughs> and it was getting all my anxiety going. It was getting my heart rate pumping. And then compounded with my anxiety, I was really struggling to express myself. So I just started to challenge those thoughts a little bit. I was like, wait a minute, why, am I, why have I got so much self-doubt that there's no reason to doubt myself, I'm capable. Just calm this anxiety down, let's relax and express yourself. And I started to be able to express myself better and better each time. And I think it comes with practice, the confidence comes back. And over time, I obviously got onto the course and it reaffirmed that I was capable. So again, pushing myself through those anxieties rather than yielding to them and giving up really helped me to build my confidence. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I think that's the same with when I was going through school. I was a very confident person in terms of outgoing and, you know, being involved in all the sports and things like that. But inside, I was actually quiet in in a way. As soon as I got home, I was quite an introvert. And, you know, for me, I felt like I was putting on 
at times, you know, not all the time, but at times I felt like I was putting on this kind of act and I needed to, you know, put a mask on and say, yeah, I'm Dan Draper. I'm super confident. I'm X, Y, Z. When actually, you know, I was just somebody that I think that was struggling with their own anxieties. But again, when I was in school, I never really understood anxiety. I think now when we're, we're doing things like this and talking about mental health and, and anxiety and things like that, that we're paving the way now for people who are in school, the kids now, and, and you know, the, the younger adults that are coming through, we're paving the way for how the conversation should be started in school. Um, and it was a massive thing for me to try and to try and get my anxiety, uh, you know, under control. So what would you say then, mate, would be some sort of easy techniques for people to relieve their anxiety? Mm. Yeah, I think one thing that can be quite helpful that I used was that um, often when I was in like these lectures, I was in these scenarios and I was nervous about public speaking. If that's one thing that you're struggling about, write just a few bullet points down for yourself you know, make things easier. Nobody's going to think you're stupid for writing things down if you need to express yourself. Yeah, you're just helping yourself with a few prompts. And another thing is that anxiety is really a physiological response. It's a threat response to try and protect you. So you're nervous about speaking in front of somebody. Your body's saying, hey, shut up. Don't bother speaking because you're going to look stupid. So it's not trying to harm you. It's trying to protect you. Your anxiety is not trying to undermine you. It's trying to help you in some way. Mm. So don't get your body on, your, on the wrong side of you. And don't worry about feeling anxiety. It's totally normal. In fact, we're, it's hardwired. It's not going anywhere. So let's learn to work with it rather than fight against it. One thing that I did as well is that I would find any sort of square object in the room that I could see, like a poster on a wall. And I'd just follow it round and breathe in along the vertical, breathe out along the horizontal, breathe in and just do that nice breathing pattern four times over and over until I started to feel calmer again. And it was just simple tricks like that that I would read about um, online. And then I'd start talking to myself. It's going to be okay. Just relax, you know. And before long, I could get any sort of racing heartbeat under control. And that, that, that made me feel really confident in myself as well that you know what, I can overcome this. It's not something that I have to be a victim of. Yeah. And do you know what? I've never, I've never thought of, let alone heard about that sort of breathing technique because I've, I've heard of certain uh, different breathing techniques that, that have gone through, you know, Jamie Clements is a huge um, ambassador for breath work and, and things that he's doing with that. So, and I've, I've listened to a few, a few of the bit, uh, bits of content that he's done with that. But yeah, I've never really, I've never really looked into it properly. So I've got, uh, I've got the picture in the background here. <laughs> I'll be using that. I'll sit in the chair opposite, and uh, and yeah, just just get on with that because I think that breath work now is such an important thing, especially when you're trying to relax in the evening or you know you're trying to get rid of the pressures of the day. Just to have that first few minutes, uh, sorry, those last few minutes of the day, just to go, you know, just have that time. Um, I think that's a nice exercise as well to do if people are finding it difficult, like I personally do, Dan, to break up your work day from your home life, especially when I'm in my study now. I also plug up my PlayStation over there. Yeah. I do all sorts in this room. You know, it's not just my work room. It's, my, it's like life that happens here as well, whereas before we had that clear divide. So I think one thing that's nice to do is just set yourself a little exercise at five o'clock at the end of the day if you're working from home or whatever it is so that you can have that um, 
kind of clear separation, do a few breathing exercises, and then you can switch modes. You can go from work mode to home mode. And I think that's really a key adaptive strategy to try and use at this time when everything's kind of mushed under one roof, isn't it? So, yeah, I've, mate, I think that's massively sound advice and, and, and thank for you. But, you know, just, just kind of touching on that a bit more. I mean, what advice would you give to someone who's struggling at the moment or may have had sort of similar experiences to yourself? Hmm. Yeah, I think at the moment, the big thing that I've been trying to work on um, is, is self-compassion. That actually, um, we're in the midst of a global pandemic. The challenges that everybody's facing now are probably the biggest they've faced and maybe the biggest they will face in terms of a global challenge. So don't beat yourself up. Yeah. You don't need another person to be battling against in spite of everything that's going on around us. If you feel like you're having negative criticisms of yourself, I should be doing this. You know, you see other people on social media, they're doing this, they're doing that. Why can't I do something? How come I'm not using my time? Well, I've not got my job. I've lost this. Just take it slowly. We're in the middle of a global health crisis. Yeah. Just take it slowly. You're going to be okay. And reach out for support. There's going to be a hundred people at least. You don't even know how many people around you want to speak to you, really want to speak to you. So open up, talk to them, relax, let them into your world. Um, recently, I, I, I was really struggling and I spoke to a friend and I actually started crying. I couldn't believe that I was breaking down. And the amount of love that those people showed me around me that I talked to really showed me that, you know, there's so much love in, in these friendships that we have. We just need to, we need to show that we're vulnerable sometimes. And I think that's really tough as guys to show that, especially that we can actually be emotional. You know what? We're actually struggling here. It's really hard. But I think when you show that you're vulnerable, other friends will come running miles towards you. I genuinely believe that, that humans want to care for each other. So I think definitely don't be harsh on yourself. Open up, show some vulnerability, show emotion to people. And those connections will really come through those strong friendships and relationships you have. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's so key about the staying connected piece, because for me, as you know, I've, uh, I've been running a, a challenge throughout lockdown, which is the Chinwag challenge. And it literally is just to, just to get people talking like, you know, it doesn't need to be about anything, really, it could be about how you make a cup of tea, which apparently I've got to do on Instagram. Um, <laughs> and, and things like that. So it's just ways of making lockdown a bit easier because you know we will see the statistics more next year or the end of this year about how lockdown one and lockdown two affected people's mental health the suicide rates uh you know loneliness and and things like that and that's that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to to just take on this challenge and and create it and just say look it's okay to talk like and if it's not okay to talk at the moment and you feel like you're uh, you know your mental health is it's a lot of pressure to try and chat to people then there's other services out there that like shout and uh, things like that where you can text through and the Samaritans have got a text service as well that you can just talk about it so the key thing is just that communication piece yeah no I think that's such a good thing that you've set up and you know not everybody's going to be able to reach out and talk to people in the same way but I think to to recognize that if it's a little bit uncomfortable you know, sometimes that's actually a good thing for us. It's not always great to be in our comfort zone, pushing ourselves, talking like this, um, doing the gym work challenge, whatever it is, ringing up a mate, going on a run, something simple that pushes you out of your comfort zone. You're going to feel a whole host of benefits afterwards. And yeah, I think that we will see, we are seeing, I mean, in the community mental health team I work in, we're seeing huge amounts of, of demand for, for services. So 
they're not going to be provided completely by health services. Health services are brilliant, but they haven't got all the answers. Community and friendship is just as strong, you know, and can provide just as an amazing support as well as the health service. So we all have to do our bit. And I know so many people are, they're doing amazing things during this time. So keep up the good work, Dan. Thank you so much, mate. I really do appreciate that. And I think that's such a, a key thing that you've just said there about the the community piece because you know the nhs at the, at the moment is stretched so thin and you know my, my heart goes out to anybody who works in the nhs and they're doing such an incredible job so you know it, it feels like that you if you can take it on yourself and you're able to talk and you know that some of the services there that, that may be under a bit of pressure and you always have someone who go oh yeah well you know they didn't get back to me because of xyz and blah 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 like you said earlier we're in the middle of a global sort of pandemic, you know, there's, there's so many things that are going on at the minute that are going to put us all in jeopardy. So just reach out to the people that are closest to you. Again, this is why I've reached out to you, mate. Like not only are you shining an example of how mental health is, is good and easy to talk about, but men's mental health especially is, uh, is something that we really need to, to keep tackling. So thank you so much, mate. No worries. It's an absolute pleasure. I think one thing on that that's really important is is about, you know, sometimes we can feel as though, you know, other people won't open up and you and why won't they open up? These people won't open up. And then we think, wait a minute, have I ever actually opened up to them? You know, it's kind of starting with ourselves first and sometimes modeling to people that you can be vulnerable, that you can say something was tough opens the door for them to be able to do it back. So I think in, in relationships, this didactic, this two-way flow is really important. And if you feel, you feel as though other people aren't opening up to you and they're not talking to you, you're losing connection, go halfway down that street and I'm sure they'll come back the other way. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's absolutely sound advice. <laughs> Joe, thank you so, so much for coming on, mate. I really do appreciate it. Where is it that we can uh, find you? Where's your socials? Where's your website? Because I understand that that's coming soon. Where where can we find you? You've got an exclusive for your podcast. (laughs) Yeah, my website's launching soon, which is psychologyjoe.com. That'll be out in the next few days. So hopefully when this podcast's out, that's there. And on on Instagram's my main platform, psychologyjoe on Instagram. I've got free resources there. Um, I've got relaxing meditations. I've got um, clips and insights from psychological therapy. If you've ever thought, mm, could therapy benefit me? I've put some little insights from stuff that I do with people every day. So go and enjoy those benefits, share them with your friends. And if you find something helpful, drop me a message. I'm happy to have a chat with anybody. Brilliant, mate. Thank you so much. And again, I just want to say a massive thank you for being such a huge advocate for the podcast and everything that I was doing in the first series. And I know that we've been saying about getting you on for a while. So I couldn't think of honestly a better way to kick off season two than to have you on. So thank you so, so much, mate. And please stay safe with with everything that you're doing. Um, and yeah, hopefully at some point soon, once uh, once COVID dies down a bit, we'll all be able to meet up and we can uh, we can have a chat face to face. Definitely, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. Take care of yourself. Perfect. Thank you so much, mate. Thank you so much for listening to that episode. I really do appreciate it. Make sure that you hit that subscribe button so that when the episodes are coming out, which they will be every week, then you'll have them first downloaded and ready to go on your phone. You can find me on all social media platforms using the handle at Dan Draper with two underscores at the end. If you want to watch the series, you can watch it all on YouTube. Just search it there and be sure to check out my brand new website, dandraperofficial.com. 
I just want to say another huge thank you to my sponsor Bedder, who's going to be on this journey with me throughout season two to keep releasing the stigma and keep talking about mental health. I'm really excited for the next episode, so make sure that you tune in and I will see you again soon.